Welcome to Crosswords, the podcast about practical Christianity. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? How do I live in a culture hostile to godliness? These are questions that we will answer as we get our minds and heart on Jesus. Good afternoon, family. I hope that you're having a blessed Sunday, a blessed commitment Sunday, a blessed first day of the week. Today, we gather not just as a congregation, but as a family. We are a family. We're accompanied by some friends here this afternoon as well. And we are at a very exciting juncture in our church's journey. A capital campaign aimed at expanding our ministries and our community outreach. Yesterday, some of you had the privilege to witness the groundbreaking ceremony. A a special place that God has led us to. A place that we've been waiting for, for a long time. And you are all part of the journey. We're all taking this journey forward as Israel did on that, uh, when they were set up by Moses and led by Moses to the wilderness. Yes, we are going to go through a wilderness. (laughs) But thank God that He is ahead of us. He is leading us through this journey. And so we're all very excited. Today is the last sermon of this series titled Gateway to Life. And it really centers on the joy that comes from imitating and enabling this spirit of generosity that comes from our Heavenly Father. Because it's not just for this capital campaign that we're talking about having this spirit, and enabling this spirit, and making sure that we're walking in these footsteps. But it is really a lifestyle. Often when we think of giving as a sacrifice, we think of parting something that we own, parting with something that we own. But what if I told you that the act of giving is not just about letting go, We're not just letting go of something, but we're actually receiving much more than we could ever thought of giving. We're not receiving material things necessarily, even though the Lord does promise abundance for His people. But there is an abundance that goes beyond the material that if we are spiritually tuned in, we can really appreciate what it is that God is giving us. First of all, atonement for sin. I mean, try to wrap your head around what that gift is means. Guilt-free living. Think about how many people walk around with baggage from their lives, with guilt, with a guilt-ridden conscience, trapped in a victim's mindset, not really being able to move forward because they're just so held back by all the baggage that they're holding on to. I mean, that right there is worth more than anything money could buy. All that is and plus immeasurable joy is what God promises us when we learn to give as cheerful givers. So this is a certain mindset that we're really trying to cultivate. And that's what this series has been about. And it starts with really understanding that we are children and heirs of God in Christ Jesus. Let's look at this verse here in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 which is really an amazing verse talking about the promise that God gives to us when we are giving, when we are people that give. He says, bring the full tenth into the storehouse 
so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way. I love how God really uh, challenges us to test him in this way and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. That is the type of God that we serve. Notice how he wants to give without measure. Typically, when we're thinking of giving, we're thinking of a budget. We're thinking of giving something that we have because, of course, we cannot give what we don't have. But when we're really plugged into the Lord, our Lord gives without measure. That is something that we have to learn to do as we depend on the Lord. This is the challenge that he gives us to have this sacrificial giving mindset. And it's really important for us as human beings to have this mindset because I believe it protects us from becoming materialistic, protects us from being entrenched into the world. And we're going to look at three examples today from Scripture to see what this may look like. Three faithful souls who learn the blessing behind sacrificial giving. And sometimes one of them learned it without even knowing that that was the lesson that he was going through. We're going to take a look at Zacchaeus. We're going to take a look at Barnabas and Simon of Cyrene. Three examples that I chose for us today to really learn the meaning of sacrificial giving. First, we're going to learn from Zacchaeus. So if you want to open your Bibles with me to Luke 19, 1 through 10, we're going to read through the account of Zacchaeus. We already learned from our second gateway lesson how giving what is left over may not really be termed as sacrificial giving. That's easy giving. We're giving from abundance. We're giving what is left over. Even those in the world do that. People in the world give what is left over. But when giving hurts us a little bit, and you're still joyful and eager to do it, then you are acting out of a fullness. You're acting out of blessedness. You're acting out of faith, as the churches in Macedonia did. Remember we talked about them in our third gateway lesson? They didn't think to have much, but they, were, they considered it a privilege to participate in a ministry of giving. So Zacchaeus was a tax collector, widely scorned by his community because he was an Israelite and a tax collector. So many thought that he was a traitor. But an encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ radically changed who he was. I'm going to start reading in verse 2 of Luke 19. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. <laughs> he had money. He was trying to see who Jesus was. So he probably heard about Jesus throughout the course of his time. But he was not able. He knew Jesus was going to come through his part of town. But he was a short guy. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree. He was agile. I mean, I don't think me at 40 could <laughs> uh, climb up. And I'm 50 now. Not even at 40. I don't think I could climb up a, a tree unless it had a lot of branches. And so Zacchaeus climbs up. And when Jesus comes to the place, he looks up. As if anticipating that he was already going to see this man up there. And he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Think about the surprise that Zacchaeus had. I mean, Zacchaeus heard about Jesus. But I probably doubt that Zacchaeus knew that Jesus was going to come look for him. That, was, that totally caught him off guard. Imagine you up in a tree and you're thinking nobody's looking at you. Nobody can see you up there. You're kind of comfortable. And then the, the star of the show, the person that you've come to see, looks at you in the eye and calls you by name to come down with him. 
I mean, think about how Zacchaeus must have felt that Jesus, the Son of God, the one he came to see, recognized who he was. Verse 6 says, he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to complain, oh, he's, he's going to stay with a sinful man. You can't get rid of the haters. They're always going to be haters. So overwhelmed by the grace and the acceptance of Christ, Zacchaeus said something unexpectedly. You know, unexpectedly, Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and welcomes him. And so an unexpected reply from Zacchaeus was, look, Lord, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. That sounds like a transformed person. Think about that. He was a tax collector. He was rich. So what does that tell you? <laughs> Maybe he did extort some people. <laughs> Maybe he was in the mindset of accumulating wealth. After all, he was rich. But after this encounter with Jesus, all of a sudden life came into focus. All of a sudden the meaning of life for Zacchaeus came into focus. And he was willing to part with half of his possessions. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, if he would have said, I give 20% of everything I had, you would be like, wow, 20%, that, that's a lot. But to me, when I read, I give half of everything I own. Wow, that's convicting. Here's a man who was impacted by the presence of Jesus. And not just half, but he, he said, if I have extorted anybody, I'm going to pay back four times as much. This giving, wouldn't you say, is sacrificial? Wouldn't you say that this hurt Zacchaeus a little bit? Wouldn't you say that, would you say that he was giving comfortably? You think this was a giving that was comfortable for him to do? Think about that. The Bible doesn't say he just gave a little, but he gave half of what he had, and on top of that, to make restitution fourfold. This is a powerful lesson for us on what it means to give sacrificially. It means that it's going to cost us something. It's not about the surplus, but it's about the sacrifice. And I want you to hear what Jesus said after Zacchaeus made those statements. In verse 9, Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house. Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. Right there away, those two things that Zacchaeus did. Because he, he didn't just say them. He followed through. And that is a show, wow, of salvation. Of repentance. There's three things that we can learn from what Zacchaeus did. Number one, genuine repentance leads to tangible actions. Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus led to an immediate and a profound change in his behavior. This man was changed. He didn't just say stuff. But Jesus' presence impacted him. His decision to give away half of the possessions to the poor demonstrated a genuine change of mind, a change of thought. That led to a change of behavior. He turned away from his past. 
He probably realized, well, you know, what I've been doing so far, this is not in keeping with what it means to be a son of Abraham. Because Jesus says, you too are a son of Abraham. And it was not just about feeling remorse, but repentance is demonstrated to these concrete actions that reflect a changed heart. Number two, not only did he give sacrificially, but there's an element of restitution that Zacchaeus shows us that declares an honest heart, a heart that wants to make right. He's not just satisfied with giving, but he wants to make things right. If I did something wrong, I don't just want to make it right. I want to make it right fourfold. Wow. Going the extra mile. That shows the kind of heart that he had. He sought to make restitution. It wasn't enough for him to be generous and to be sacrificial. But he had to pay back four times if he had wrongfully taken something. And this underscores a a biblical principle of justice, of wanting to do the right thing. That's what it means to be just. We say that our God is just, right? He does the right thing. So likewise, if we're going to be called children of Abraham, as Jesus called Zacchaeus, we want to do the right thing. We don't just want to be generous, but if we've wronged somebody, we want to pay that back fourfold into the positive. Now that requires going the extra mile. That shows that kind of heart that has truly repented. It's a powerful example for us of how to take responsibility. And it goes beyond making just an apology. Oh, I'm sorry I did this. But it goes to restitution. I'm going to make a sacrifice to show you that I'm not just sorry, but that I want to make it right before the Lord. Going that extra mile. This demonstrates an honest heart, a heart that wishes to be transparent, a heart that wishes to vibe right there with God being a son of Abraham. Have you ever wanted to read the Bible in plain English, a language that you can actually understand and follow? Well, there is a translation like that called God's Word Translation by God's Word to the Nations Mission Society. This is the only translation of the Bible in English that follows a dynamic equivalent translation philosophy. It makes the Bible very easy to understand and it flows very naturally in the English language. You can follow along my podcast where I read to you from God's Word translation for one whole year. You can search for the podcast on Spotify or your favorite podcast reader. Search for God's Word Translation by God's Word to the Nation Mission Society. You can also look it up under my name, Pedro Gelibert. And so number three, this this is the kind of transformation that salvation brings. That's why Jesus so confidently asserted, salvation has come to this house. It's right there, you see it. It's something that can be witnessed by what this individual wanted to do. His priorities shifted right then and there. When we meet Jesus and we realize that Jesus is also was seeking us out too. It was not just us wanting to seek him. But when we realize, wow, the son of God came for me. That is a profound transformation that should occur in our hearts. That should produce a shifting of priorities in our lives. 
which is what is evident for Zacchaeus. No longer was being rich his priority, but was doing the right thing and using his wealth, if anything at this point, as a tool. Because he identified now as a children of Abraham. Before that, maybe he was a Jew by name only. <laughs> but Jesus recognized, no, no, no. Now you've proven yourself, Zacchaeus, to be a true son of Abraham. You are blessed and you recognize blessing. So those are the three things that Zacchaeus shows us. Let's talk about Barnabas. Barnabas is a second character in the Bible that can also teach us something about sacrificial giving. We read about his account in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 37. And so in the early Christian community, Jesus had already died, was already risen. The gospel was preached. People were becoming Christians. The church had started. And here we see Barnabas. And he sets an extraordinary example of generosity in the early Christian to community. Let's read in Acts 4, verse 32 through 37. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. Didn't Jesus say, the world will know you are mine by how the unity that show with each other? And so this is the Bible kind of telling us that this is how they were behaving. This, is, was some, this was something that was noticeable in this early Christian community. They were of one heart they were of one mind. And so much so that look how it manifested. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But instead they held everything in common. Hey, mi casa es su casa, right? We say, <laughs> mi carro es su carro. No, not, keep it clean. Uh, but everything was held together. It was not my stuff, your stuff. It was our stuff. Because we recognize that it's just stuff. <laughs> and we want to... Use it to make eternal friendships, as I shared last week. Verse 33 says, With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on them all. There was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, and they brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. So this was something that was going on in that early Christian community. Hey, what do I need such a big house for? Hey, what do I need these lands for? You know, notice the shift of priority, just like in Zacchaeus' example. There's a shift in priority when we realize where our true citizenship is. And so this is what the early community was showing us. This, all these proceeds given to the apostles were distributed to each person as any had need. And that's why there was not a needy person around them. Talk about extermination of poverty among the Christian community. Joseph, here now we focus on Barnabas. His name is Joseph, by the way. He was a Levite from Cyprus by birth. And the apostles called him son of encouragement. I wonder why. Son of encouragement. That's what Barnabas means. He sold the field, we're told in verse 37. And he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas is only one example that I wish to highlight because I don't know the names of the others, but apparently they all were engaged in doing what Barnabas did. But I'm just picking Barnabas as one of the many of these that were doing this act of sacrificial giving and generosity. This comes out of a feeling of solidarity 
Notice what the scripture says. They were all united in heart and soul. They were all there for the same purpose. And nobody was thinking of mine and yours. You guys, me. You know, they were thinking us. Us is what was ruling. That was the mindset that they had. And that's why there was not a needy person around them. They trusted each other. They looked for each other's welfare. Hey, you need something. Hey, you know what? I don't need this. Let me sell it and let me help get what you need. They supported their leadership. They trusted the apostles because everything that they sold, they laid them at their feet and said, we trust that you guys know what to do with this and how it should be distributed. So there was a support for the leadership because they thought they knew best what the community needed. And so we see this man Barnabas, son of encouragement, also doing the same thing. But Barnabas' generosity wasn't just a one-time act. It wasn't just expressed in this one-time thing that we see him doing here in Acts chapter 4. But we know that it was a lifestyle. It was part of what made him be called the son of encouragement. We're going to see why. Because Barnabas appears Again, yes, he sacrificially gave to support that early community and that early church. He modeled a godly way of life in solidarity of his brothers and sisters, in support of the leadership. But there's more to Barnabas than just that first thing that he did. That generosity as a reflection of faith. That selling of a field, bringing all that money to the apostles. It was not just about financial giving for him, but it was a tangible expression of his commitment to the church of Jesus, of his commitment to what he knew Jesus was building. He says, this is Jesus. Jesus is still here. This is the body of Christ. Our Lord's body may have risen and resurrected, but his body is still here, and I'm a part of that. It was a great expansion of his conviction of knowing what he was a part of that made him be this man and prioritize the needs of the community before his very own needs. And that teaches us that true generosity is really an act of faith. It's showing trust in God's provision and realizing I'm just a tool in this. It's not about me. It's about us. And that's what really propels this generosity, the, the commitment to the well-being of others. But like I said before, it didn't just stop there because Barnabas also provided a lot of encouragement and support for the leaders in the early church. Not only do we see him giving the money to the apostles and saying, guys, we trust you to do with this what needs to be done. But when Paul comes into the scene, and you know who Paul was, right? Everybody was scared of Paul. Oh, there's the Christian killer. <laughs> what are you doing bringing him in here? <laughs> who was the one who stepped out and decided to bring Paul in and showed him comfort and showed him, hey, you're part of this community, Paul. The others might be like, ah, but I'm going to step out. So, I mean, he was the son of encouragement. He stepped out there and he partnered with Paul. He brought Paul to the apostles. He brought Paul in to get all the leaders to know who he was and spoke well on his behalf and stood up for Paul and joined him 
in this missionary journey. I cannot, and, and sometimes we read in, in the stories that Paul wrote, that Luke wrote down, we saw that at one point, I think Paul was in Athens and Barnabas wasn't there. So he said, you know what? I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> because apparently Barnabas brought him so much encouragement that he just couldn't see himself by himself doing the work. Because that's who Barnabas was. So Barnabas really energized by his attitude, this work of preaching the gospel. Not only was his generosity financially demonstrated, but also in preaching of the gospel. We see his commitment right there as well. Supporting, uplifting those in leadership roles, recognizing their strength and guidance, partnering with them for the work of the church. This show of solidarity is really a show of faith in God. And this is what Barnabas teaches us as well. We are one. We're of one mind. We're of one heart. We are the church. And number three, not only was Barnabas' encouragement shown financially in solidarity, but also through inclusivity. Barnabas was known for being inclusive. Nobody could escape Barnabas' notice. He was in, instrumental in introducing Paul, right? The former persecutor of Christians to the apostles in Jerusalem. But he also saw potential in people that maybe others kind of didn't even give him a third look. And we see that with John Mark. Even when Paul said, we're not going to take John Mark. He abandoned us. No, Barnabas was willing to fight with Paul for John Mark. He was willing to stand up for this disciple when Paul didn't. And so Barnabas' actions teach us this importance of inclusivity. No wonder he was called the son of encouragement because he welcomed people. He believed in people. You know why? Because he said, we are part of the body of Christ and if you are a part of the body of Christ and me, we can't, one of us is not more important than the other. We're part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is amazing. And so that was Barnabas' mindset. When we are of this mindset and when we realize what we are a part of, sacrificial giving, fostering, uh, solidarity, and being inclusive become things that will be an extension of what we do. Because after all, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And these are some examples we learn from our brother Barnabas. A deep-seated faith, support for leadership, an inclusive approach in promoting unity and strength within the Christian community. This is sacrificial giving. See, it's not just about the money. That was just one aspect of it. But it's sacrifice when, when maybe... One leader doesn't believe in somebody, you know, me standing up for that person and speaking on their behalf. And when somebody doesn't believe in this one leader or they're afraid of him, me saying, no, he is our leader in the church. That's what he did for the Apostle Paul. And that's who Barnabas was. He stood up for everybody because he recognized they are a part of the body of Christ. And God gave all our leaders to us as gifts. And that's how we should treat them. But not just our leaders. Everyone who is a part of the body is important. We're part of the body of Christ. And this is what Barnabas teaches us. Thirdly, let us examine Simon. Simon is an interesting case here. Simon didn't offer monetary gifts. 
But he gave in another deeply sacrificial way. And he didn't plan on it either. He carried the cross of Jesus. Think about that. Matthew 27, 32 says, As they were going out, they found a Cyrenian named Simon, and they forced him to carry his cross. There's a few movies that I have seen, and I can't remember the title of one of them that was so powerful in this scene when the soldiers just grab Simon. He was just kind of minding his own business. And they grab him and say, come over here. You're going to carry this cross. Now, you don't understand what that would mean to somebody who was an Israelite back then in Jerusalem. That would be like identifying yourself with the vilest of people. And you don't want to be in the spotlight carrying a cross. Hey, I'm innocent. Don't, I don't want to identify with this person. That's going to ruin my reputation, my name. If you like this podcast, please show your support by clicking on the support link on my Anchor FM profile. This ensures I will continue producing authentic Christian content as the Lord allows me. Thank you and have a blessed day. And so Simon gets caught in this thing. And at first, of course, he probably was very reluctant to do so. But on the journey carrying Jesus' cross, I'm sure Simon learned some things that I'm going to share with you now. Simon's actions wasn't, weren't planned. And that teaches us that sometimes sacrificial giving is not planned. Sometimes it's just going to happen to you. And it's going to be a test of faith. What are you going to do now? You didn't plan on doing this. But guess what? God brought you to this point. He brought you to this crossroads. What are you going to do? Are you going to sacrifice? Or are you going to forego the opportunity? That's one of the things we learned here. Simon was forced. Yet, his act of carrying the cross of Christ has forever been immortalized in the Gospels. Let's see what Simon of Cyrene shows us. Number one, the element of the unexpected. Oftentimes, great sacrifices have to be made unexpectedly. And those are one of the most difficult ones. Because see, if you, if you tell me, well, Pedro, you know, we plan on you doing this and we know it's going to be really hard and it's going to be a great sacrifice. And you give me a year to plan, I may be like, okay, I don't want to do it, but give me a year. And I'll try to get my mind there. That's, that's what happened to me when, when Bob asked me to go to Puerto Rico uh, to, to serve there as a missionary for three years. I, was, I, I did not like the idea at all. I says, Bob, you're going to send me away? I want, it to, I want it to be here. But he said, no, do it in Puerto Rico. So, but that was, see, I had a year to plan for that. And at the end of the year, God made my heart amenable. That's what I prayed for. But what about if it's something like right now? A great sacrifice that is thrust upon you and you're not ready to do it. What will you do? I think Simon teaches us that sometimes we're called to make a kind of sacrifice like this in unforeseen circumstances. And we have to be willing to accept it. We have to be willing to embrace this unplanned act and, and, and come to an understanding that 
maybe we're going to understand what the significance of it is as we go through that journey of the sacrifice. There is something God's going to teach me through this. Maybe I don't know what it is right now, but the fact that I'm willing to accept it shows I have faith, that I'm trusting God, that He's going to teach me something in this unplanned sacrifice. Because otherwise, if I say, you know, I can't do this, what am I saying then? If I reject that opportunity right off the bat, what am I saying? I'm saying that I'm depending on me, aren't I? I'm saying, no, no, no. I, want, I don't want to do that. But if we're people of faith, we have to learn from Simon that when these situations come upon us, we might not be ready. We're going to show our faith in God by saying, okay, Lord, you've put this on my plate. Okay, let's do it. I'm going to learn something through this. And let me tell you, these unplanned acts of sacrifice lead us to some of the deepest understanding of selflessness and empathy than anything else that you might do in your life. It leads us on that kind of a journey. See, because it has to do with shared burden. And this is something I'm sure Simon learned. The scriptures don't tell us exactly what he learned. Some of the movies, you know, embellish in Simon, and, and I like to, you know, think about that too. It's like, wow, you know, I carried the cross of Christ. That's, who else can get to say that? But you know, as Christians, don't we bear this burden of the sufferings of Christ? Shouldn't we consider that an honor? Isn't that what Paul said? That it is more honorable to identify ourselves with the sufferings of Christ. After all, isn't that the example he set for us to do? To walk in the footsteps of suffering and identify ourselves with a a crown of thorns bearing Christ. So that later we can identify ourselves with the glorious risen Lord. You can't wear the crown of victory until you've willingly accepted and joyfully accepted wearing the crown of thorns. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And so by carrying the cross, Simon literally, I mean, he literally shared this burden of Jesus. But this really symbolizes the cross that we're all called to carry. Aren't we called to carry a cross? Daily? (laughs) What are you doing with your cross? Are you willingly accepting it? Are you saying, Lord, just help me understand what this means? It's an honor to participate in the sufferings of Christ. Because as a Christian, whatever cross that I'm carrying, I'm carrying for Jesus. Not for me, but it's a shared burden. Galatians 6, 2 emphasizes this importance. Because it brings us together when we share each other's burdens in this way. It says, carry one another's burdens. And and it says, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ when we're willing to do that. If I say, well, I got enough burdens. I got enough to carry. You carry yours over there. I got enough to carry over here. (laughs) But that's not what Galatians 6.2 says. Yeah, you know, there is an element of what I have to carry and what you have to carry, but I don't have time to get into that right now. But I'm talking about that that in the sharing of the struggles of others, we're not just providing 
support. But brothers and sisters, this is how we cultivate the spirit of community and unity. Isn't that what we saw in Acts 4? They were sharing each other's burdens. They were carrying each other's crosses in that community. And that's why they were of one mind and one spirit. And that's why they were willing to make any sacrifice that needed to be made. Because they said, well, we're all in this together. Last but not least, surely not least, when we carry these unplanned burdens, when we're willing to undergo these unplanned sacrifices that are going to cost us, we're identifying with Christ. This is our identity. Simon's act of carrying the cross is a powerful symbol of identifying with the sufferings of Christ. And for us, this should be an honor to be counted worthy of participating in such a burden, such a sacrifice. The apostles thought that after that first whipping that they got, they said, wow, we were counted worthy of these things for the name of Christ. And they rejoice. And of course, everybody else was confused. Why are you rejoicing when we beat you? But see, this is an out-of-the-world attitude that really is embodied in what Simon did here as he carried that cross. After all, sharing in Christ's sufferings is the pathway to sharing in His glory. Romans 8.17 Sacrifice, especially in the context of faith, it's not just a loss of something. It's not just a burden. Yeah, we have plenty of those. But if we turn those things around and think of them as, no, this is, these are ways of growing closer to Christ. These are ways of identifying with the Father. These are ways of understanding what Jesus went through. Because he was a man too when he went through these things. And so we appreciate his love. We appreciate his salvation much more deeply. And I believe that that's what Simon teaches us by his example. Sacrifice is not just always about money or material possessions or time. Often it is about our comfort and our willingness to take up that cross and follow Christ, even when it might cost us everything, even when it is unplanned See, Simon's encounter with Christ on the road to Calvary was very unique. But this encounter occurs over and over again. As God reveals His Son and His love to us, we're encountering Jesus on that road to Calvary. We, like Zacchaeus, might be on a tree. We might be hidden. We don't want Jesus to see us. Oh, but He sees us. And so we are going to have an encounter with Christ at some point in time or another. And all of us here did. All of us who are Christians had an encounter where we had to count the cost and decide what were we going to prioritize. My own life, my own dreams, or what Jesus is calling me to. And each of us has an opportunity to react to the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Are we going to choose to walk with Jesus or are we going to reject him? Are we going to share that burden in carrying his cross so that we can also be risen to glory? Or are we going to take our own path, the path of least resistance, the wide path, the broad path that leads to destruction? But once we're presented with that Savior on that crossroads that we've all had, and we'll have again, 
because that's how we grow in faith. We're always, God is going to always take us through these crossroads on our path so that we can grow. And maybe some of your, our friends here today, maybe that's what they're facing too, a crossroads. How am I going to react to Jesus here? You see, Jesus bled heavily on the cross for us. He gave it all. He didn't just give half like Zacchaeus, but he gave it all, providing a unique gift of atonement that we might not understand right now. Certainly Zacchaeus didn't understand until he had that one-on-one, until he had that meet with the Lord. And without the gift of Jesus, we would surely be burdened by something that's going to burden us right to our grave, right to hell Because it's a burden we cannot carry forever. But Jesus wanted to resolve that for us. He provides a way out from that burden of sin. But it is through a cross. He provides a way to life. But it's through suffering in the present time. If you're willing to walk through the suffering and through the fire. And wear a crown of thorns for the name of Jesus. He promises you life eternal. An unending blessing. Unmeasurable blessing. You can accept that today. You can recreate that today. By being baptized. Immersed in water. In the name of Jesus. To cleanse yourself from all your past burdens. To cleanse yourself from worldly mindsets. And the worldly programming. And rearrange those priorities. And you know when it's a good time to do that? When you're a young person, (laughs) before all those bad habits and bad ways of thinking get in there, although, you know, some of us who are a little older and have met Christ, we are able to transform, praise God, right? Because His Holy Spirit helps us transform. You can't teach an old dog new tricks in the gospel. But Jesus is looking for young blood too. He wants to use you for the rest of your life so that you can know what the blessed life is is all about. But there has to be a death. There has to be a willingness for you to say, you know what? I reject my way. I intentionally reject my way, my thoughts, my analysis. And instead, I'm going to seek Jesus with all my heart because I truly believe He's going to lead me the best way. That's what it's going to take. And I know that's tough. That's tough to do. But God is willing to walk that with you. He's willing to walk with you in this way. And this is what leads to the blessed life. Brothers and sisters, family, friends, as we go forth this week, let us reflect on these lessons from Zacchaeus. Let us identify with Zacchaeus. Let us identify with Barnabas. How am I being like Barnabas in in our community here? Am I being a son of encouragement? Or am I being a person of discouragement? (laughs) How am I being like like Simon of Cyrene? Ultimately, how am I being like Jesus? Come forward, lay all those prayers before his feet with our elders and have an awesome rest of the day. God bless you, family.